clink. Cheers, guys. Welcome to a very special episode of Animations and Libations, all about a very special episode of Clone High. Yes, we're doing a very special Clone High Snowflake Day special today. I am so excited. We have been talking about Clone High, or I have been talking about Clone High. We both have. Since the very first episode, and we are so excited to bring this holiday episode to you guys. And in honor of this very special Clone High special, (laughs) we are drinking... Petrus Winter Number no. 9 Ale. Mm. Petrus is a brand that is under De Brabanderie Brewerie. I'm sorry, my Belgianese is really bad. Yeah. I think they have silent J's there, but <laughs> I know they don't speak. All right. I think people know I'm not that dumb. But this beer is made in Belgium, and I cannot pronounce the brewery, but they make a couple different brands, including. Bavik? Bavik and Petrus. I looked up on their website to see more about this Winter 9 Ale, and it's not even listed under their Petrus brands, probably because it's that special. Yeah, it is. It's Very special. Boutique. Very special Winter 9 Clone High special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I've said it way too many times. It's going to be like that word that loses all meaning. Except, no, it won't. It gets better and better and better. Just like this show. <sighs> I love it so much. So... What is Clone High? For any of you, rare few who have not seen it, it's about these high school age kids, but they are all clones of famous people, and I think the theme song accurately describes what the show is about. Way, way back in the 1980s, secret government employees dug up famous guys and ladies and made them using genetic copies. And now the clones are sexy teens, (laughs) but they're going to make it. If they try. Loving learning, sharing judging, a time to laugh and shiver and cry, and I guarantee you'll feel all those emotions when you watch this episode. Especially the shiver. Yeah, ooh. I don't know why. That one makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) It's winter. It makes total sense. Well, this beer is exactly what you need on a cold winter's day. It's a very unoffensive beer, if that makes sense, because there's it's not too hoppy, and I don't like hoppy beers, but it does have a good flavor. It's not too strong, and it's 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 festive. It's Christmassy. It's sort of malty. I don't know. Can't quite put my finger on mm. it, but I enjoy it. Yeah, malty. That's what I'm tasting. Yeah. <laughs> Tastes like french fries. I'm going to stop drinking up and actually speak now. <laughs> Back to this episode. It opens up with Scudsworth, who is the principal of Clone High, and he is not a clone of anyone. No. He's entirely unique. And he's kind of an evil mastermind who's <laughs> trying to manipulate these kids for his own purposes. But he's kind of a fool at the same time, so he doesn't do it very well. I was laughing at the mastermind because I was thinking, <laughs> he's not that smart. But he's trying to be that evil mastermind. And right now he's writing his holiday letter. And the things that you would include in a holiday letter to update your friends and family, which I don't think Scudsworth has. Yeah, we don't really <laughs> learn who it is. But he actually says he wants to update everyone since his last impersonal over-informative, photocopied holiday update. (laughs) Yes, so he's writing that letter, and the things that he includes to his non-existent friends are things like the corns he's developed. He's been diagnosed with corns. I don't know if that's something that happens, but on the brighter side of his feet health, because who doesn't want to hear about people's foot health, is that all of his warts have been removed from his left foot, except for one, and he calls him Gary. He's part of the family now. You even see like a snapshot of him holding up his foot but good times, good times. As well, after 52 hours, he finally passed the kidney stone. (laughs) Just what everyone wants to hear about in the holidays is a feel-good story. But most importantly, he starts off the letter by saying it's been one year since the UN has abolished religious holidays and has instituted the non-denominational, non-offensive Snowflake Day. Mm Mm-hmm. 
this is kind of a unique holiday that they actually, in this short little episode, tell you so much about what this holiday is. They have their very own mascot, Snowflake Jake, who's a pirate. And I love this character. He's got this kind of admiral's hat on with a snowflake. He's got an eye patch. He's he, all blue. Yeah, he, except for his pants, which are candy cane striped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he carries a sword. He has a candy cane hook for an arm. And he brings all the children's spices by shooting cannonballs at them. Cannonballs of spices for everyone. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? And I love even some of these characters are asking for their own. So you've got like... Someone wants some cumin, and JFK wants some curry, and one kid threatens him and says he's going to kill him if he doesn't get some sage. (laughs) (laughs) Because what kid doesn't have a favorite spice? Exactly. (laughs) Question mark? (laughs) But I love that they have all of these traditions, because what is a holiday without tradition? And these traditions are one year old. They kind of gloss over that, but... You kind of accept, I think you kind of forget by the beginning of the episode even, once they get into it, that it's only one year old. So they've been brainwashing these people pretty well and churning out this merchandising. We even see a Snowflake Day special, which our captain, Snowflake Jake, has rounded up the evil, tyrannical Santa Claus and Dreidelstein, which is like a Frankenstein Jewish monster. And the Kwanzaa King. (laughs) And he has taught them that their harmless celebration actually is offensive to people. I love when Dreidelstein says, Dreidelstein, sorry, when he realizes how uninclusive his holiday is. (laughs) At least they've learned from their mistakes. And he even comes up with the catchphrase, specificity be the enemy of unity. Yes, they realize that their religious holidays are uninclusive. (laughs) And I love that this little holiday special called Snowflake Jake Saves Snowflake Day is in that claymation style that they do Rudolph and Frosty. So Mm -hmm. they're really poking fun at our holiday specials, (laughs) making their own, but... I liked that. Totally fantastical. And that's how much detail this show goes into. Oh, yeah, it's great. Like, they really delve into the worlds of Snowflake Day. They make me believe that it could be a real holiday. I kind of wish it was a real holiday. We should start celebrating this. But now that we've kind of given you an overview of what Snowflake Day is, let's talk about what happens in this episode. Yes. There are two main storylines that kind of satirize what the traditional holiday movie is about. Like, all those kind of cheesy things you see for -for made-for-TV movies, they've tackled that issue. So the first one is Abraham Lincoln and Cleopatra. They've been dating for about four weeks now, so it's getting kind of serious. Pretty serious relationship for high school. (laughs) Yeah. And for Snowflake Day, when they are going to exchange their care satchels, she's trying to let him know exactly what she wants, which is an expensive store-bought gift. Mm -hmm. And, you know the typical self-centered girl. It's all about the money, how much you can spend. Yeah, she's a pretty shallow character. You learn that throughout the season. (laughs) So we we don't really expect anything more from Cleo at this point, but she wants something really special. And Abe has no money. He's like, what am I going to (laughs) do? Well, his best friend Gandhi says, why don't you have a bar mitzvah? Because his foster parents are Jewish. All of them are being raised by these kind of very diverse family groups. But anyway... Abe wants to do the proper Christian thing, though, and that's get a job. (laughs) Yeah, so they get a job together because they're best friends. Why wouldn't they get a job together? Yeah, you know, Bill Gates and Will Smith have jobs, and they're millionaires. Yeah, so so brilliant idea. Brilliant idea. They get a job at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand why Gandhi comes to work with them, because his job seems way worse than Abe's, just washing the dishes. Well, washing dishes can be pretty grimy. I guess, But Gandhi is more personable. He's serving the tables, and he's getting so frustrated because first he 
has to take them a knife and then he has to take them a fork every time a knife and a fork two trips it's so annoying yeah i love though at the beginning when gandhi's coming in to dump not dishes in the sink for Abe, but just handfuls of forks, handfuls of forks and knives. Like, people are giving him his cutlery and needing new cutlery. That's a problem that people have all the time. Oh, definitely. They're not clearing plates or glasses or anything. The only glass you actually see is one that Abe drops, and their boss, Napoleon, comes in and is like, here we eat our mistake. Yes, and mangez so, la verre. <laughs> he ends up, like, cramming this thing into his mouth, and it's cutting through his oh, lip, and its blood is so everywhere. Painful. This is, like, a recurring thing in this episode. Abe's mouth gets cut up a lot. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, it's a lot more gruesome than normal. No, they are not normally like this. No, it's not but a gruesome show. That's why... After Gandhi is told to go out and entertain the crowd with the traditional Snowflake Day sombrero dance. Which, which he has to be naked for, which is what I was thinking. Yeah. is kind of demeaning, right? That's well, why I said his job was worse. Did he have to, or was that a choice? I feel like that could be a Gandhi <laughs> I didn't choice. Think about that. He is hyperactive in this episode. Not the traditional calm Gandhi that you're used to. Just like Abe is not that leader, he's kind of this meek character on this show. They take those stereotypes and flip them. But Gandhi has to go out with this bright blue sombrero that's lit on fire, and then he ends up that his crotch is on fire. Somehow that happens while he's outside. But after he runs back, like, on fire, uh, a fork and a knife go flying into the garbage disposal, and it gets turned on and mangled together, and Gandhi has a brilliant idea, and he turns to Abe, who's still chewing on that glass, and is basically like, what would you say if I said, we could be millionaires right now, would you walk out of here with me? And Abe's like, I would seriously consider it, because he has blood dripping down his face and glasses poking out his cheeks, and he's thinking, yeah, I'll consider leaving this job where they make me eat glass. One's on fire and one's, like, about to bleed out. Yeah. It's totally ridiculous. But Gandhi's brilliant idea is combining two utensils into one. It would save them so much time. And then there's kind of this montage of them trying to create this invention because the guy who invented the spork won a Nobel Prize. I was just going to say that. So they're making the fork knife combination because who wants to cut their meat and then have to switch hands to eat it? Because that's what everyone does. So much work. It's ridiculous. So throughout this whole little montage, they come up with a system of ball bearings they need to use to counter-stabilize this mechanism. They need to figure out a sheath to cover the blade because as they're trying this thing out, they just basically taped this knife and fork Fork together. together. And so, like, the serrated edges are, again, cutting up Abe's mouth. Yeah, because if you take a bite out of a fork that is a knife on one side, of course you're going to cut your mouth open. It's like his cheek is flapping (laughs) off. It's It's pretty gross. disgusting. So they need to come up with a sheath, but then they also need a trigger assembly, either a strap or some Velcro to strap down the meat, because apparently now this thing is kind of powered, it goes crazy. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like the fork where the knife is... moving on its own cutting the meat but you need I don't understand why they need velcro I wasn't following that really (laughs) but one of the solutions they come up with is that they'll make it coal powered yes the most useful of power (laughs) the most convenient that which means you have this backpack like thing on on, with a with a foot pedal Mm -hmm. and Gandhi's like shuffling coal into (laughs) Abe's backpack to power this thing this is definitely simpler than having two utensils yes but they've actually made this out of popsicle sticks too so I don't even know how stable this thing is but of course two kids at home trying to come up with an invention you use what you've got Oh my goodness. And they kind of workshop a few names for this invention, which is the knife fork, the blade forker, the utensil, (laughs) the fife, Sir Slice and Spear, 
But then they finally come up with the perfect name. The Nork. Oh, the Nork, of course. It was right there. <laughs> so now that they have a name for it, they have to market their tool, the Nork. So they do one of those kind of snake oil-like, gather exactly round, gather round. Down. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, snake oil salesman. <laughs> yeah, snake oil-like salesman where they got gathered the people in the mall and Gandhi was dressed up kind of old-timey-like yeah, and like Abe was in the shy. crowd like yelling things like, I'm an old lady and I'm hunched over because I used two utensils. <laughs> And when Gandhi says, oh, well, now you can just try this Nork, she, in quotes, Abe, in quotations, says, that'll cut my silverware budget in half. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we're all concerned about. Exactly, because you're buying utensils all the time, that this is a major expense in your life. But Abe ends up being dressed up as all these different characters in the crowd, you know, uh, like an old man, a little boy, this woman. And then Gandhi actually says... It's so easy that a child could use it. So he's like, come here, giant child. <laughs> and it's Abe in one of those, like, blonde wigs and blue powdered outfits mm -hmm. with a lollipop. Like, the perfect little ringlets. Yeah. That kind of Victorian child look. You yeah. Know, that maybe he's like a doll, like one of those creepy dolls. Really creepy looks for little boys. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> doesn't he still have, like, his full beard in this, too? Well, when he was an old woman, he had the full beard, too. I was thinking that. I'm like, why would he be playing an old woman when he still has a beard and he's clearly, like, a man? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Some people suffer from facial hair. True. Don't be exclusive. This is a Snowflake <laughs> Day episode. Do not mock people with facial hair. <laughs> Old women can have facial hair. I'm yes, sorry. I'm sorry go. if you are one of those listening to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> this it's is a, right up your alley. part of our demographic. Don't exclude them. I know. All right. Back to the <laughs> demonstration where Abe's dressed as a little boy trying to demonstrate how easy the Nork is. He has to pump the foot pedal and... <laughs> they I, release the choke. And of course, he tries to even move it near his face and all of a sudden he's off screen and there's blood splurting everywhere and he's like, it's inside me! Ah! Oh my god. Apparently it was really painful. Yeah, it didn't work out too well. The crowd kind of dissipates after that. There did seem to be some buzz. People were were excited that everyone was talking about this product, but then, oh, God, the no, second they I don't, saw, oh. yeah, The second they saw him using it, they're like, oh, this is terrible. They saw how dangerous it was. <laughs> but, oh, well, they're only out $20,000. I know. If Abe had $20,000 to invest in this, why didn't he just buy Clio something with that money? Are they in debt now for this? <laughs> or maybe they had backers and now, or oh, it's like maybe. mob money or yeah. something like that. But they must have made all these, like, different models of this. You can't, you have to have a product to sell. Oh, it just... It's so crazy. Oh, it sucks for poor Abe. He has nothing to buy Cleo. And then Gandhi gives him some great advice. He says, make something from the heart. And it's a beautiful scene of him with pipe cleaners and glitter and macaroni. The macaroni and glue. Because <laughs> who doesn't want something that a nine-year-old could have made? Uh, absolutely. It's it's from the heart. And then from he even the says, you know, heart, you did it again. Yeah, he's so proud of what he came up with. But we're going to save that until the final scene. We It's going to be a little bit of a surprise what he came up with. Because while all this is happening, Joan of Arc, my favorite Joan of Arc, is having her own storyline and she is not in the Christmas, sorry, Snowflake Day mood at all. No, she's kind of the Grinch or the Scrooge of this episode and that's that kind of traditional holiday special theme that they're touching on here where she's just not happy with all the consumerism and all these greedy little children and they just want their you spices. All. Yeah. <laughs> she's so mad. She actually took a job working at like this I guess mall snowflake Jake where she's dressed up like a wench. If he's a pirate, she's dressed up like a wench. Yeah, they don't have elves for them. They have little wench Witches. outfits. <laughs> and she has to empty his chum bucket. And so she goes outside to dump it in the dumpster. But there's this sexy homeless teen there who may or may not be Mandy Moore. Yeah. She says she's not, but she, she looks really just looks like, like her. her. And she sounds like her too. 
But this is kind of an omniscient character because she says, Joan, you've sure as shootin' lost your snowflake day's spirit. And she's like, how did you know my name? She's like, I call everyone Joan. You know, like buddy or friend or in your case, Joan of Arc. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so she makes it her mission to try and, you know, she's that holiday ghost or spirit, that conscience that's going to win Joan over to the right side. Remind her what the holiday spirit mm-hmm. is all about truly, right? Yeah. So she just needs to come with me. I want to show you something. I'll change your life forever. But her foster father was like, you shouldn't let homeless people show you things. <laughs> but against that better advice, she goes with her to the remnants of her old burned down home. This happened in a previous episode, which is why she's now living with Cleo. And this is hard for her because she loves Abe Lincoln and she has to watch this girl date him. And Cleo treats her like a servant at her holiday party. She wants Joan to serve the crackers. Yeah, Joan doesn't want to come to the holiday party because she's saying, screw this holiday. I don't like Snowflake Day. You're all crazy. I'm not coming. And Cleo's like, who's going to serve the crackers? (laughs) Because apparently you can't have a party without a cracker girl. No. (laughs) And where am I going to get a cracker girl at this late notice? (laughs) And that's when uh, Joan of Arc's black and blind stepfather is just like, 4th Street and Maple. (laughs) (laughs) He would know. He would know where to get a cracker girl. I don't think he understood what she meant. No, I I think it was a different type of cracker. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so so Joan makes it to her old burnt-down house where there happens to be a party full of homeless, derelict people. Yeah. And so she's like, that's the meaning of Snowflake Day? Homeless Homeless people? people. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's spending time with friends and family. Whether they be homed or homeless. I like that. that I don't know Homed, yeah. Homed or homeless. Yeah, family appreciation. Hmm. At first, Joan kind of doesn't want to accept this because she's made it her personal mission to sabotage Snowflake Day. She's pretty vicious. She has played these pranks, in quotes. She actually says that she's going to pepper the day with sabotage pie. Joan of Arc style. Yeah, okay. So it's it's true. Like, Joan of Arc style sabotage is not a friendly Ooh. type of prank. No, it is so over the top. She puts itching powder in people's eye patches, because I guess to dress up like Snowflake Jake. Yep. She urinates in the punch. Mm-hmm. She puts razor blades in the mini-sized wieners. Oh my gosh. She puts laxatives in their lamb tacos. She slashes people's tires, and she also puts goat's blood on the door jam. So when you open the door, it just pours all over you. Yeah. Uh, that was that was pretty mean of her. That's intense. That's some intense sabotage. So once she learns the meaning of Snowflake Day, she tries to, like, rush back to stop this, but <laughs> it wasn't really in time. Abe got his mouth sliced up. And of course. JFK actually really enjoyed the punch. He it said it was good. great. This is where these two storylines converge at this party. Joan comes back to make amends. She brings all these derelict people with her to Cabbage Patch, because that's the official dance of Snowflake Day. Yeah. Licky, 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 licky. licky. So everyone's dancing. But it's also the time when Abe gets to present his gift to Cleopatra. His care satchel. Yes. And because this is a gift from the heart, he knows that she'll like it, right? Of course. Uh, No. No. Wrong. (laughs) It's one of those coupon books. You know, those love coupon books. Free hug. (laughs) A day of cuddles. That kind of thing. And she is outraged because she was very specific about what she wanted. She wanted it expensive, store-bought, and not lovingly handcrafted. That is not what she asked for. So she's kind of pissed. 
She doesn't even want to give her gift to Abe, but she gives it anyways. And it happens to be a Nork, and she says that she got it at the Sharper Image, but he's like, You brought this out of the dumpster, I know it! And it looks like things are going terrible, but because Joan has turned this party around, she actually reunites these two, and, you know, sabotaging herself, there's her chance at Abe gone again. Yeah, she brings back the holiday spirit and makes everyone realize that they're all being petty. Yes. And Cleo's kind of satiated by this she's just like oh you know that's right i can still be good to abe i don't even understand why they're dating (laughs) but she likes to be admired i think that's what it is that's true worships her that's true yeah Yeah. but she ends up giving him another gift which is to see her boob her Her left boob boob. Mm -hmm. that's right poncho (laughs) poncho comes up again poncho yeah i don't know why abe calls it poncho whether she named it or he named it last week when we were talking about rick and morty we were talking about poncho so Oh, who would have guessed? It's his lucky day. But there are still some other Snowflake Day traditions that we didn't even mention. One of them is the official food of the holiday, which is a lamb taco. Yeah. So they're also serving that. Spiced lamb taco. Mm -hmm. Spices are big. They're important. They're serving that. And another tradition is that Snowflake Jake is supposed to come with his cannonballs to shoot the spices. So that's when they hear the firing of the cannonballs and this not Mandy Moore homeless person kind of ushers them all into the basement. Yes. You better step away from the target. You don't want to get hit. Yeah. And while they're all locked down there, her and her homeless friends in a backfiring van basically rob the house. They're taking out all sorts of things and even like a sarcophagus, which I really loved. Oh, I didn't even notice yeah, that. Yeah, because it's like took, house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I noticed they took the TV. Um, <laughs> and then Joan's in the basement looking out the window saying, this is a snowflake day miracle. She wasn't Mandy Moore. She was an angel the whole time. The final tradition for Snowflake Day, it just wouldn't be Snowflake Day without it, is JFK's annual holiday album. He's releasing all the greatest hits redone by him. Yes, annual, because he clearly did this before Snowflake Day, apparently. (laughs) Well, it does seem like he actually releases a lot of albums throughout the whole series. He does. Maybe he did release one last year. He's going to cash in, you know? And I love the different puns they do with all the different spices or different plays on traditional (laughs) Christmas carols that they have. Or... Hanukkah carols, like the dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Snowflake, snowflake, snowflake. (laughs) I made you out of snow. It starts off with him singing away in a taco. No spice for my lamb. (laughs) (laughs) There's one called Snowflake Jake is cumin to town. Yeah, cumin instead of cumin. Or you're a mean one, Mrs. Wench. (laughs) Or cayenne the red ground pepper. I like that one. Cayenne the red ground pepper. You know exactly what it is as soon as you read it. Yeah, I saw Mommy banging Snowflake Jake. That's a little more explicit. (laughs) Well, they're getting right to the point. That's exactly what that kid was seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I also love the Grandma Got Run Over by a Giant Wheel. Cam had never heard of this. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. The holiday classic. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? If you've ever heard this this song, you definitely know it. But I just loved picturing that something like Snowflake Jake would be, I don't know, shooting out of his cannon or something. Mm, Possibly. My favorite, personally, was the Felice Spicy Dad. (laughs) Because they're, like, just getting lazy with that one. Felice Spicy Dad. Uh Uh-huh. Or Lighting the Snowman. That was another holiday tradition, too, is they get to, instead of lighting the Christmas tree, and I'm like, wouldn't that make him disappear? Or maybe that's, like, the dreidelstein is like burn the snowman no snowman allowed on snowflake day i forgot i wasn't sure which way that went they did say the traditional snowman burning but how do you burn snow i don't know do you put like candles in it do you light the carrot on fire the coal maybe the coal button (laughs) (laughs) we've cracked the code you guys uh there are just so many classics and that's just 
how amazing this show is, is in such a short time, they pack in so many references. They pack in so many, you know, satirical storylines of the traditional getting over your greed during the holiday season. It's all about friendship and family. And, oh, I wish there were 10 more holiday specials by this show. I, oh. I wish there were 10 more episodes in general of this show. Anything more. If I won the lottery, I would definitely either rehire these actors or get imitators and just make more of my own clone high. Like the unofficial. Can we kickstart this, guys? If we ever get a following, that is the project that I want to take on with like a group following is funding a clone high revamp. I think if we can get Netflix attention, they would totally do it. <gasps> They're totally into reviving what people love. It's true. They could just unfreeze them present day i think this show is just as relevant now as it was then all the topics are still things that people are dealing with they're so universal like joan's issue with how commercial this holiday season is yeah i love that part where she is talking about how snowflake day is just another hallmark holiday for people to spend money and it's driven by consumerism yeah. and the greeting card industry just like valentine's day and easter yeah <laughs> that's not religious at all that's the hallmark greeting card industry yeah valentine's day and easter are completely meaningless holidays <laughs> in her but mind it's a totally paranoid conspiracy theory until you see these guys like these sniper people no they're snipers <laughs> yeah okay. snipers and they're wearing vests that say greeting card industry just so you know <laughs> they're about to take her out and they actually do take a shot but it whizzes by her head and she just kind of flips her hair like oh there was something there i think later on in the episode as well when she's complaining about it being a consumerist holiday driven by the greeting card industry kind of the same thing towards her parents she's complaining and they, they shoot at her again and it just whizzes by her hair like, choo, they're just constantly watching her, making sure people don't catch on oh. to this conspiracy. <laughs> I but, love how layered the show is like that. Yeah, but as you were saying, it's very relevant because today there's so many things they could do to make fun of the state of the world now. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very satirical in that way. I think it would be, they would be able to unfreeze them now and just be like making fun of the problems we have today. I think the problems today actually are more funny are than more when this show was yeah. made. The world has gotten more ridiculous, and so comedy's just blown up. Yeah. But, oh, guys, seriously, Kickstarter. If there's anyone listening who has any sort of power to do this, any person out there who's independently wealthy who wants to fund this campaign, uh, yeah, just get in touch with us. You should email us at animationsandlibations at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us yes. at CJ and Cam. And let us know how you feel. Even if you're not an influential person, you should let us know and join our campaign to bring back Clone High. Snowflake Day is all-inclusive, yes. Even if you aren't a millionaire, you can still message us. I will allow that. In this I... holiday season, I will condone that. <laughs> I really love how they, they bring that non-denominational, non-offensive mm -hmm. holiday. Because if everyone were on board with Snowflake Day, it would make this season a lot less stressful for a lot of people, I think. But, I don't know. It's hard to change the world, right? There might be a run at the grocery store spice aisle, but... Other than that, it would be great. I don't think the UN actually has that kind of power. Can you imagine if the UN actually abolished religious holidays at Christmas? Uh, I think the world would go psychotic. <laughs> I think so, too. Insane. Oh, my goodness. But before we forget, we never did our trivia of the day. Yes. Oh, it's a good one. It is not specific to this episode, but Clone High in general. So the question is... There is an animal that either appears or you hear it on every single episode of Clone High. What is that animal? Yeah, if you're one of those people that actually knows, too, you should join our campaign because you clearly <laughs> love it enough to know what animal you mm -hmm. hear or see in every single episode. Every single one of the, what, 13 episodes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that animal is... <gasps> C-137. Yeah, that's right. 
that is the universe that Rick and Morty are originally from. Yes, the Rickest Rick and the Mortiest Morty from our last feature episode are from Dimension C-137, and that's the answer to the trivia from last episode. This is something we do, and if you're new to listening in, then you didn't know that, and it probably sounded really weird to say that the animal was C-137, but you'll have to tune into our next episode to find out what that animal is. Yes, so until then... Happy Snowflake Day regards from us. Regards. (laughs)